Hello, and welcome to the Rebuilding Relationships Podcast. My name is Carrie Vasquez, and I'm a relationship coach and strategist. But most importantly, I am a Jesus lover. I'm a wife, a mom to five children, and a grandmom. Each week, I'll be here with a guest or a message to help you love yourself deeper, fall in love again, and restore your relationships with God and others. Now let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to episode four, part two, on the importance of not ignoring red flags in relationships and how they can lead to abuse. So I have my special guest. I'm going to be continuing this part two of this episode. Uh, Please, again, just remember that this episode is um, about domestic violence, so it does have a lot of sensitive information. If you have uh, little ones in the room, um, you may want to have them do something else or get entertained. Um, As this second part of the episode, she goes into some detail um, about uh, her survival and her life um, of abuse. So again, just be mindful of um, that this could trigger um, some, some raw and uncomfortable feelings. If you need support, be sure that you consider um, consider that before listening or while you're listening to this episode. Again, I'm uh, truly honored to have my special guest on this episode. And in the end, you will um, get to listen to how she was just able to overcome so much in her life, how she remains strong and how she continues to, um, to basically beat the odds. So again, thank you for joining me today and enjoy this episode. As I'm packing, I'm like, you know, I have leaps of suitcases and papers and paper bags all my life. Like, so you are not going to be the first person who comes into my life by choice and mistreats me. So da, 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 da. And then just start saying mean things that like, oh, you know, you, you're coming from a background that doesn't know what family is like. So you're just careless with your words and just doing what you want. And so as he says that, it was just driving me insane. And yes. I remember I ran to the kitchen and picked a knife and cut myself. Mm-hmm. But then when I got to the kitchen, he was right behind me. So he pushed me. So I was trying to like get my wrist, but then I ended up getting some part of it which is not very visible because it's part yes. of the like the formation yes. of the body so yes it wasn't a very bad cut but it so was were really you weird. why did were you trying to kill yourself were you that angry okay yeah you wanted to die I again was. i wanted to die again yeah and this was the second time i was doing it because the first time i had a fight with him i left the house and i took a, a bottle of some antihistamine like like around I don't even know how many pills they were like and I passed out and I couldn't walk but him and my sister just maintained the situation they gave me milk which I threw it all up and mm-hmm. yeah I cleaned up so now this was the second time I was trying to kill myself because I was I cut my arm mm-hmm. and then I remember for me that's when it settled in that my marriage is abusive mm-hmm. because he stopped yelling at me sat me down, like, like cleaned up the wound, tied it up, and then he asked me, you know, baby, are you trying to take my life? Mm-hmm. No, sorry, that's the first time he hit me. Yeah, that's the first time he hit me because after I, I cut myself, 
he hit me three times like he just slapped me he threw me to the ground and slapped me three times and then mm-hmm. picked me up it's like what the hell are you doing and cursing around and saying are you trying to take my life are you trying to take my life i was mm-hmm. like yeah just what what's the point of leaving my life getting into adulthood and then marrying someone who takes me back to where i'm coming from right. it's like right. so that's my life so you think what right. you're doing is right and then right. he he said it wrong and, and then i just about remember. him yeah cuz yeah. then after i said that yeah. i was going back to the after he hit me now was now going back to the kitchen and he yeah. grabbed me and he's like i'm so sorry baby i don't know what i did but you can't take away my life so then he mm. he cuddled sat me on his lap and he was now telling me that if i died he doesn't know what he would do mm-hmm. and he's sorry for hitting me because mm. he's sorry for hitting me because he was just like he couldn't imagine losing me right. and quite honestly up until this moment i never count that time as as though he hit me because i felt i feel like i'm taking up some responsibility because i cut myself and he hit me because he was just confused right but that's the first time he ever hit me. yeah i think i found it i found it interesting how you almost blocked out or almost forgot that he hit you after you cut yourself you you I had did. to remember that and it was almost like because in your mind it sounds like you were justifying that he hit you for a good yeah. reason because yeah. you you had cut yourself so it was like your punishment and it, almost like a punishment yeah. that you no, believe you deserved that. right I, which I, you I absolutely believe that deserve yeah, yeah which you absolutely that, that not point. Yeah. yeah. And no and no one no one deserves um any type of abuse, you know, physical, um emotional, mental, verbal. It's um it's something that, you know, destroys a person and and I'm sure and you yeah. know firsthand, you know. Yeah. Um and it's and it destroys you slowly. So I I I can yeah. see where you say how about I just end my life and make it fast yeah. rather than yeah. dying a slow death almost. Is that how you feel? Exactly that's how it felt and now that you say that no one deserves that I resonated with it because I'm like yeah no one deserves that like not for anything yeah. not even for the love I it took me 3 years to actually accept and embody that learning to actually acknowledge that no one deserves to be beaten no one deserves to be abused in any way be it verbally emotionally physically it, no one deserves that And right. it took me three years to accept that because now so, fast forward was it three years of abuse? Not fully because it was like on and off. The longest we ever lived together as husband and wife was six months mm-hmm. because each time he would hit me, I would leave for like a month and then he would come home, apologize and that that first time i didn't tell anyone about it i didn't even tell anyone why i cut myself because we had eid the islamic festival coming up and i was with my relatives and i had like a bandaid on and they would ask me what's up there and i'm like oh yeah i was just like in the not in the kitchen and i hurt myself so yeah i would just make up something because i don't want anyone to know that i was trying to take my life and at that moment and to date i never count that day when leon hit me i never actually count that because i deserved it which is something i need to work on because I, when i speak of it i'm like why why do i still feel that way yes yes yeah so yeah. 
then it happened again in December of 2016. He hit me and I went home for a... No, that's the first time my family knew that I was abusive. So that I went, I like, I left for a whole month and he was just everywhere and he'd lost so much weight and he looked really sorry. He didn't have a job. We were living at his mom's house. So I just felt really bad, like after a month and my family also convincing me that, you know, he's your husband, he's owned it up. So just go back. You know, if he's how, owned it, how then definitely. He, how did he own it? What did he do to own it? He came home. Actually, he called almost everybody in my family, including my best friend in Australia, including my best friend's father, my best friend's mother, my wow. best friend's sister. And I was like, oh, this is so dramatic. And he was just saying sorry that he has hit me. Like he hit and he hit his wife and he understands that that's very wrong. And then he even like owned up that he has a drug issue. He smokes a lot of marijuana. So it's something he would like to overcome. But then he 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 has no way of justifying it, but he really wants our marriage to work. Mm. So then I was like, no, but you know, you've been you've been apologizing every time you get angry. So that's when he came home. Was and this time he found me because like my my auntie and uncle actually organized for us to come to be together in the same space at the same time because okay. I was just dodging him around for a whole month. He doesn't want me to go back to school. He doesn't want me to look for a job. Then I also didn't have a job. And mm-hmm. he doesn't want me... I, I'm in this program, uh, Process Work. Mm-hmm. It's a Process Work Institute. So mm-hmm. some I have seminars to attend every three months. And once a year, we have an intensive where we travel out of the world. So then at that time, I was a new student, but I was really looking forward to attending an intensive. But also he didn't like that I was attending the seminars because I was right. getting a lot of awareness from them. Sure. So I he was isolating you, basically. He wanted exactly. to isolate you from the world and from, you know, you exactly. doing anything. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. But being that I'm yeah. so hard-headed, I was just like, no, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Yeah. And that was what was aggravating him. So then I told yeah. my family all that and... He promised that, oh, you know, I will let her be herself, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, you know, usually he gets angry. He never hits me. Again, I didn't count the first time he hit me back in August. I was in September, sorry. I was counting that time he hit me in December. I'm like, no, 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 no. I don't want to be hit by anyone. I don't want anyone to ever hit me. And and also because of my process work practice, I was gaining more awareness and I'd even sure. talked about it with my coach that I had tried suicide and I was hitting myself because mm-hmm. every time I had an argument with Leo and I'd bang my head on the wall or slap mm-hmm. myself or just do something to punish myself. Yeah. So you would self, self-harm, self you would hurt yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And exactly. so it was almost like, was it, do you think that that was your way of trying to take your power back? Like if someone's yeah. going to hit me, it might as well be me and no one, yeah, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm going to do it first to myself. Wow, I love how you phrase it because that's exactly it. Mm-hmm. I was like, if anyone is going to hit me, let it be me. And I would do it, like when I do the slapping, I would go to the mirror and just mourn it and say that no one else is going to hit you. Right. And I, in my do mind... Think, do you think maybe you were also punishing yourself for even being yeah. back in that place again of being yeah. abused? Exactly, because then wow. in, my mind, in my mind, I'm like, this is not going to happen again. And because I, I have a very strong personality, I made a pact with myself that 
you know, you're never ever going to respond back to me angry. Mm. You're never going to, you know, those coping methods that everyone thinks will work when you change your personality, when you stop doing mm-hmm. this. So I tried that. Mm-hmm. I stopped going for events. I stopped doing this and that. I stopped this and that. But I couldn't stop my process work. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't stop. Now I got a job. I couldn't now stop my, not a job per se, but internship. I was like, I'm going to do these and he's not going to stop me. Mm-hmm. So then when I went back, it happened again two months later. We were mm. having a conversation and I say something he doesn't like, which I realized he just doesn't like everything. Mm. So mm-hmm. this time I didn't take responsibility. So I called my cousin up and I'm like, yo, this guy has hit me. Come pick me up. So my cousin comes with another set of uncle and auntie. And so now this time he's gained some upper hand on me because he knows much more about my family because mm-hmm. now he knows my family doesn't really care about me because right. no one was calling, no one was checking right. up. So then he throws in, yeah, you know, you're a nothing. Even if mm-hmm. even if I do what? Like who in your family can even tell me anything? Whom are you going right. to call? You know, wow. even if they come here, I will also chase them away because at that time we were living at his mom's house. So they have a right. compound. Yeah, and he's like, yeah. Who, who's going to tell me anything? Wow. So then when I called my cousin, he was, he didn't know that I'd called my cousin. So two days later, after he hit me, my cousin came. I left, but for a week, mm-hmm. and I was back and I was again. Mm-hmm. I really yeah. wanted my marriage also to work because being an orphan right. and all that, I wanted sure. to have a good marriage and everybody's, because, you know, like everybody thought that he's not right for me being that right. he was a Christian and he's not from our cultural background. And mm-hmm. um, you wanted to prove no. everyone wrong, right? Exactly. Yeah. It's, and especially because you grew up and you had family that didn't, they didn't believe in you. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, I'm sure everything in you wanted to show them differently. Now, Definitely. how long, how long before when you went back again, how long before he hit you again? Two months again, because it was in February. Mm-hmm. So I went away for a week. So February, March, April. In April again, he hit me. Mm-hmm. It wasn't, he didn't hit me hard or anything. He actually slapped me. And I was like, no freaking way. Because from the awareness that I was gathering at that point and looking back to my mother and father, I know that this is how it starts. They hit you once and how you mm-hmm. take it is how they're going to respond. So then I was seeing that. He's taking it down, but not stopping. Sure. So it's more of men. It it turned more to mental abuse and right. physical. He'd like push me. I get hit right. by something. So then so he was trying later, to see how much he would tolerate um, without yeah. leaving. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. So then he slapped me, and again I left. This time when I left, I left from for a month, and I applied for a divorce. That is that is in April 2017. Yeah. April 17, 2017, I applied for a divorce. So for a whole month, he'd call me. I was like, nah, I'm not I'm not talking to this guy. So I blocked him. and I unblocked him because in my mind, I'm like, I'm a super strong woman. I don't need to block him. Mm-hmm. Even if he calls me, I just won't pick up. Mm-hmm. So then on when we had the hearing at the spiritual, like the Kavi, I don't know if you know what that is, but the Kavi no. is this. He is like the supreme magistrate for Muslims because okay. we follow Sharia. Our law is called Sharia. It's Islam. Okay. So we, we respect that here in Kenya, we have those courts. Sure. So when the Kadi summoned us to his court, Leon showed up 
then he owned up that he has anger issues, that he does actually hit me and he sometimes doesn't like it when I leave the house. And then the Kazi was like, yeah, you know, it's simple. It's just a matter of practicing like for 10 minutes in a day that, you know, you are, you like look into your issues and look into what makes you angry and having acceptance with it. And then it works. You know, a husband and wife should not live apart. And so you, wife, you should go back to your husband and your husband stop hitting your wife. So yeah. And we mm. were like, and that was, that goes the ruling. And we were told to write our, um, I don't remember what that document is called in legal terms, but it was more of like a consent. Yes, it was called mm-hmm. a consent. We're mm-hmm. told to draft a consent in two weeks and mm-hmm. yeah, continue living together. So mm-hmm. then... Now, I have, a, I have a question about that. Do you think sure. that that in itself was just yet another form of abuse? Now this yeah. person in authority has just minimized, right? And this happens not just, you know, this is in your religion, but it happens in so many, in Christianity, in Christian religions, you hear of um, churches and pastors and people in leadership are constantly minimizing, right? Abuse um, in the home. And so many times, sadly, we see where, um, again, in religion, you know, they say, well, the, you know, the man is the head of the home and he's the leader and, and you just need to do what he says or follow, yeah, exactly. you know, his, his rules. And if yeah. you're out of that, or if you're not being that submissive wife, then you're out of line and it's your fault. Yeah. So you yeah. see that sadly, we see that all the time in religion, I think across the board where it's even I think it's even sadder it's one thing for it to happen in the home and it's just sad and then when you have a leader saying oh no you know they minimize the abuse or they say oh just just stop doing that and move on you know um it's it's really disheartening you know because it's not love and I think the basis um really across you know many religions the basis is love right exactly how where where is our hearts? You know, how do we love one another? And yeah. if we're to live um, in love and we're to live um, in a place where we care for each other and love each other and living in peace, right? Exactly. That is such another, um, you know, foundational truth, you know, across religions is is love and peace and compassion and kindness. And exactly. Where does that show up in any type of, of abuse, you know, whether it's verbal, like whatever um, type, you know, and and sadly, a lot of people who abuse, you know, they the big term now is um, narcissist, you know, which is, yeah, yeah they, it's a personality disorder. And these people, you know, unfortunately have, you know, they feel entitled, they have no remorse, they're, you know, no empathy, they're one way one day, and then the next day you have a totally different person, or even moment by moment, you know? Yeah. And it's, you know, they're just so controlling, so I think it's it's so sad, and it's um, how you bring up that, you know, here you have a leader, um, you know, a religious leader who's now telling you just to go back and just take 10 minutes a day. I know, and at that moment, I was like, wait, that's it? Like, that's it? Like, he's just going to say he has anger issues, and you're just going to be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was so disappointed. 
Yeah, because now the spiritual leader has said it. And yeah, I also believe my husband is the overall rule. So I'm like, yeah, if he said that and it is is actually accepted that he has any issues in front of this judge, like he's a spiritual judge and he's recognized by the like governmental also judiciary. Sure. If he's part of the judiciary, then I'm sure that he feels bound and he will try. And of course, I love him. So... Yeah, yeah, we went back to you wanted together. It, and you wanted it to work. You wanted it to, you know, everything in you. And so um, so then how long again before it happened again? Yeah, June. Okay, so probably. He didn't so hit he me. Was, mm-hmm. He didn't hit me in June, but he pushed me and something hit me and cut me across my arm, like my hands, my fingers. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wait, we're back at this. Yeah. And if you and if you and if you think about it, so you know, and everybody looks at it differently. Personally, for me, I I feel that once you put your hands on anyone, that becomes physical. So yeah. that is so it doesn't matter if it's a push, a hit, a slap, a punch, you know, it, it's yeah. it becomes physical. Um and I think sometimes do you find that as being the a victim of abuse and do you feel that you minimize sometimes the abuse and yes, you make it you I don't do. make it because I actually end up having to minimize it because then I'm told I'm too dramatic, you know. Sometimes people get hit like, oh, Mariam, God, you could not take a slap. Like, you know what a marriage is? Yeah. So Do you think we, culturally that it's um, it's culturally it's accept, more acceptable yeah, in your it culture? Is. We even mm-hmm. have memes that we look for one and send it to you. We have this memes, the, the trolls that go on online. Mm-hmm. We have one that says... The women nowadays are unlike the women we had before, like our mothers and grandmothers. The women these days are so, are, have been brought up with so much tenderness, so much so that if you even like slap them once, they go back home. We want the, oh, wow. we, the old women back. We want oh, the oh, old wow. generation back. Yeah. Oh, There's wow. jokes like that that go around. Oh, wow. Wow. That's so heartbreaking. Now, so you so he was basically and a lot of times we see a cycle like there's a pattern in abuse yeah, yeah. right yeah and it sounds like this pattern was you would go back home and, and within two months he would hit you again so he would give yeah. it a period of time and then within yeah. a two-month period he would hit you again and he tried exactly. to yeah okay. okay and i would leave each time so yeah in yeah. that was in june and then in august september Around late August, he hit me again. He slapped me this time because I was supposed to. I was supposed to meet up with my friend. He's Dutch. Mm-hmm. He's Dutch. He'd been posted in Kenya for some time, and because I was in this, I was in leadership as a student. I got to interact with uh, several societies, these youth societies that are for improving mm-hmm. and development. So this guy was in Kenya for an exchange program from Holland. Mm-hmm. So now he works in Amsterdam and now he was excited that he's going to Tanzania, which is a neighboring country. Yes. He was going to Tanzania and he had a one day layby in Kenya. So then he had, because his visa permitted him to enter Kenya, he wanted to actually meet up for that right. day and then we can catch up. Because I even told him I'm married, he was excited, yes. he wanted to even see my spouse. 
So yes. then being the good wife, I go to my husband. I'm like, oh, hi, baby. So my friend, remember my friend from Holland? Yeah, he's based in Amsterdam this day. He's coming to, you know, he's going to Tanzania and he has a lay-by for a day in Kenya and he'd like to meet us. So are you available? He's like, um, do I have to come? And I'm like, you don't have to, but I would love it if you would. And he's like, ah, it's okay. You just go. And it was a Wednesday. I remember that mm. so well. It was a Wednesday because wow. I went to see him at work because at that time, both of us were working in the CBD in town. Mm-hmm. So then on, I was meeting my friend on Sunday mm-hmm. and I'd asked on Wednesday. I checked with him. So then I, it's normal. So on that Saturday, he'd given me some $200 to deposit in the account because I was managing his account. He's not so good with finances. And I, on the other hand, I, I'm very keen with finances and I would not touch his money. I knew his right. password. I had his credit card, but he just knew it was safe with me because I would not use it. Sometimes he would even be like, oh, baby, you know, you can use that money. It's ours. But I'd be like, I'd be like, okay. But in my mind, I knew that if I touched his money, that's me mm-hmm. getting into financial abuse. I don't want that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So then Sunday... Oh, sorry. So I have a quick question about that. Okay. I, have a, okay. I have a quick question about that. Do you think that, so when you are married, right? Yeah. yeah. You, you do share finances, right? Do you think in your mind, so why was that such a, a no-no for you? Like, why was it again a fear that uh, yeah. then, then you're, you're tied to him and you can't yeah. break away? Yeah, because I always, quite honestly, in my mind, I knew he's abusive we talked about it. We tried even like counseling several times, but it just like twice, mm. spiritual counseling and then just normal counseling. It didn't work out. So I just knew that my spouse is because, abusive. Because it's very interesting to me. You used a term. You said that it was financial abuse if you yeah. used his money. But it, yeah. but it's only financial abuse if you're abusing the money and wasting it and and not having his permission and so you considered it financial abuse but in reality uh uh-huh actually let me just get into it maybe it will make sense because growing up being an orphan i knew how it felt like each time someone helps you they would really hold you to it and tie you to it and they'd be like yeah i took her to school oh yeah i bought her credit oh yeah i bought her clothes oh yeah i bought her this oh that shoe she's wearing i gave it to her So for me, I because already like studying my partner and seeing his trends, I knew that if I used up his money, he'd be like, oh yeah, you know, I take you out on dates, you use my money to buy clothes, you use my money to... So mm. I think maybe it was an insecurity, but because for normal things like food and shopping in the house, he would do it. But if I wanted to watch a movie, I wanted to watch a movie, I would go watch a movie with my money. If I, maybe if I like this bottle, I would buy it with my money. Like, it wasn't like, I'd never actually asked him like, hi baby, like I need money for hair or I need money. No, it wasn't. Maybe if we go for shopping and I see an item I like, we are shopping, yeah? And if the money doesn't fit, then I would contribute. So it was more of like, let his money be about the family thing. Like if it's paying bills and all that. Because I wasn't contributing to bills in my culture and in my religion. Actually, in my religion, the woman's money is her money. Like, I work by choice and my money is my money. But he is 
responsible for taking care of me. That is as high my religion. Mm-hmm. So then that was very like setting in my mind because I've seen it in my family. Just that it, with my family, most women don't work. Like the mm-hmm. stay-at-home wives and moms, mm-hmm. which I can't, I don't want to do that because then that means she will have to give me money. And I've seen it also with my aunties. Usually then the husband start telling them, oh yeah, you like, oh, sorry, I forget and use sorry sometimes. Sorry, but like, mm-hmm. so sometimes they, they throw around slurs like, yeah, your work is just like, give me, give me, give me. And uh, for me, that, I found it very demeaning. And I didn't yes. want it to get to that with Leon. So that's why yeah. I call it financial abuse. Yeah, which it, it sounds almost like it's on the flip side. When someone uses money to manipulate and control someone, yeah, yeah, yeah. that is a financial abuse. Um, yeah. But I would encourage you maybe to think about that mindset of you feeling like you're doing abusing financially um because it sounds like maybe that's something that's kind of has control over you to an extent um and and holding and not um and I say this even just for you know if you have a future relationship that you're in uh because I believe that there's there's such freedom in a relationship when you can be together and love each other and freely interact and give and exchange, you know, words and money and everything that you have um, without keeping tabs or without feeling, having the fear of it being held over you. So, um, so yeah, so I would just maybe encourage you to, even if it's like journaling or writing about it and what, what does really, uh, what is the real definition of financial abuse? And then what yeah. is just the definition of being in a loving relationship with loving exchange? Because, actually, yeah, you know. you're right. I hear you speak. And yeah, actually, at some point it was my issue. It was an issue in my marriage because it was like, well, why is it that I can't give you money? And where do you get your money? Because even when I didn't have a job, like my guardian father would send me money and I would spend it on us. But when he has money, I'd be like, um, no, I don't want that. Because mm-hmm. it is an issue for me. Because I would think that he would use it against me. Yeah. an issue for me. Yeah. I need yeah. to work on that. Yeah. yeah, I would just say, yeah, I encourage you for that. Because I think um, when you find, when you can release yourself, you know, of your prior abuse and uh, and maybe those those limitations and those, you know, like the the walls that you've built around yourself around to protect yourself. Right. Um, I think you could find, you know, even more freedom in love and in relationship, you know, moving I actually forward. want to say something more about that because yeah. And, um, my job doesn't pay me so much because it's an entry level job and it's pretty difficult to get jobs here in Kenya, by the way. So you don't have much of a choice. So then he didn't like my job, but still, I, I have savings from it, or rather, I had savings from it, mm-hmm. and he hated that I have savings from it, mm-hmm. and that he doesn't have access to it. And I would actually right. outright tell him that that is my money. You're not right. touching it. Right. You don't get a share of that because he he misuses funds so much and. When you mm-hmm. speak about it, I'm like, maybe I should have had some more faith in him and tried to contribute in his businesses, mm-hmm. which which I know 
Yeah, he would just misuse that money and I would end up regretting it. But see, this relationship, this situation is very different because you have been in an abusive relationship from the beginning. So it's not even like you have developed a level of trust to be able to say, let me, let me invest. My husband loves me very much and he has invested in my business, but, um, but it's there's many times that he would say, Oh, well, no, I don't think this is a good investment, but we can put money towards this. So it, there is wisdom and in that, in what, in your decision. And then there, there is, there are healthy boundaries that we have to have, especially being a victim of abuse is so important to set up healthy boundaries for yourself. So I commend you for that because, um, again, being in a, an abusive relationship, I think it's so important as women, especially for us to, you know, for you to be set up in a way that you have the funds or you have some savings. Exactly. And, that and sounds so that's, fair. Yeah. Yeah. So where are you now? What, what has happened with between you and your husband and where is the relationship now? Oh, so what happened is now in 2018, sorry, in 2017, after filing for my divorce and then getting another separation for two months from that train from September to November, Mm -hmm. Um, I decided to give it one last shot. So November 2017, I went back to my house and I told that this time I'm going to give it my all, but this is it. Like, this is my last trial. If you ever hit me again, if you ever push me, if you ever talk to me in a demeaning way, I am just not going to come back. Mm -hmm. And it was the toughest decision because actually it was the toughest thing to say, not decision. I will not call it a decision just yet because I went back in early November, 2017. And on that December, he slapped me Mm. again. So it wasn't even two months. It wasn't. So that same month. Okay. And I remember we had a very, we had a very like, mediocre like I will just call it mediocre like argument mm-hmm. it was because he we were a, we were boarding up a, a public bus and he smoked marijuana with the tout and I was like you like you my husband have some class like you have your own stash in the house at least that much I know but now he just, smoked with with what with the- a tout the, okay he in Kenya we use public we, ha- we use public means of transport a lot. So then it has a driver and a conductor. And the conductor makes noise. I call them touts because they make noise like, hey, beba, beba. Like, uh, they make so much noise. They have no character. They have no, sorry, they have so much character. Character, yes. Not, not the respectful kind of character because they touch they like, women. They like class and, and, and respect. Yeah, and okay. thank you. They lack class. They lack respect. They have. They all have anger issues for some reason. Mm-hmm. And so I was just like, even if you like marijuana so much, and mm-hmm. you you smell it from a like a conductor, you need to have class. Like you have your own stash in the house. Just because you're an alcoholic, it doesn't mean that someone on the streets offers it to you and. You're there with your wife and looking all nice and we're just like, oh yeah, let me sit some. Like, right. have some class. 
So okay, really so the me off. so he so the conductor or so he was smoking marijuana, yes. and then you got on the bus and almost like I guess a cigarette, like oh he took a a puff so or a drag or whatever. Yeah, yes. No, actually, okay. what happened? We're getting on the bus, and then I think he he smelled it because he's been doing it for so many years. So then I got onto the bus seat. And it's double seating. So then, of course, I booked for him. And, I'm, and then I look back and I'm like, where is this guy? And then he comes back with a cheeky look on his face. And he smells of marijuana. And I'm like, yo, I'm like, where are you coming from? He's like, oh, yeah, I went to catch a whiff from him. And immediately my face was like, really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I thought you were better than this. I didn't say it, but just my face was like, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And then... Usually from the bus stage to my house, then I had to use a, a motor motorcycle ride. Like we have those here, like mm-hmm. to take us to the house. So on the ride to the house, he's playing around, try like nibbing on my ear, just being cute. But I, I was just like, ugh, I was really, I was, I was quite honestly disappointed. Like that was so lowly of him. I didn't expect it from my spouse. Mm-hmm. So then. He's like, why do you have so much attitude? Like, I'm playing with you and you don't want to play with me. And I'm like, like, really? You don't realize what you just did back there? He's like, what? I'm like, how could you do that? That is so shady. And immediately he flips. He was playful and romantic now. He flips and he's so angry and he's like, bitch, what did I tell you? Don't ever tell me issues when we are not in the house. To date, you've not realized how to talk to me? Is that how you address an issue to me? And it's like five minutes ride on the motorbike to my house. Mm-hmm. So then when we got off the motorbike, that's when all this happens. And mm-hmm. he he pushes me, I fall down to the ground and like he has me pinned to the ground, like literally my chest to the ground and then he slapped me. And actually my dog almost beat at me because, you know, dogs are very interesting animals because they're very loyal to you, but then they have one owner and when they see any fight coming up they they know who the owner is mm-hmm. so then he got that dog when we were separated so that dog knows him as the main owner like right. me, i'm just the other person in the house who's cute and right. cuddly but yeah. that's his owner so then the dog almost attacked me and that's when he stopped because mm-hmm. the dog ran up and wanted to like bite at me then he was like tommy stop it tommy stop it so he was shocked because his dog wants to attack me Right, and he, his intention is not to really kill me; it's to just mm-hmm. use me as his puppet whom he can abuse. Right. So then, I remember strangling myself after already working on that issue because I'd stopped mm-hmm. hitting myself or trying to take my life. But that time, I went to the bedroom and strangled myself, and I was afraid he would find me strangled up. So. When I felt like passing out, I stopped, laid down for like 10 minutes and then just thought about it. And I was like, wait, I said that if he ever hit me again, I would go. Mm-hmm. But then I listened to my emotions. I was not ready to go. I just mm-hmm. looked at my unpacked bags because I hadn't unpacked everything mm-hmm. when I came back. I had not unpacked everything. Mm-hmm. So I just looked at my bags and I, I say, no, I'm not leaving because I'm not ready to leave. I'll try mm-hmm. to talk to you. Mm-hmm. I think it's so interesting how um, when you were talking of his dog, how yeah. 
the dogs pick up on the energy and the dog is just reflecting his same energy. Um, and yeah, that's so sad, but, but so you weren't ready to go. So then you talked to him about it. Not then. And I also wasn't honest because I didn't tell him that, you know, you've hit me and I told you I'm going to go, but now I can't go. I didn't, I didn't do that because already Mm. I had picked up that that's just who he is. He's never going to stop. So then I was just trying to, I honestly, I think I was just thinking I'm, I'm smart about it, but I wasn't because, and I was also looking into the, the part that he actually, the abuse has really been going down and Mm -hmm. that now he doesn't like, hit me like punch me right. and slap me around now he just hits me mm-hmm. so then i so let go started, of that you, so you started to minimize it and you started to buy into that you know the pushing around and that was that was acceptable then it was becoming acceptable to you yeah like yeah. i wasn't i wouldn't really say it was acceptable but what i was mm-hmm. looking at it is that the abuse is fading off that's actually okay. what i was labeling okay. it that, that's fine. okay okay so then i talked to him i'm like after a few days i'm like you know i don't like it when you hit me why don't you just tell me something like I'm human. I sometimes my tone will go up and maybe you know like it the same way that you sometimes do things and say things that I'm not excited about, but I can't just start cursing at you and you know, like we're we're spouse, we're a unit, we're a team, mm-hmm. like let's just do this, you know, like yeah. so he's like, Yeah, I'm sorry about that. But then within November to when I left in April. It was actually April 27th, 2018. He'd already hit me for, like, he'd hit me, like, physically, like, slapping me twice. And now the other two times when he abused me again, the first time he pushed me and I I got hit by the wall. Like, he pushed me and the wall hit me so hard because it was at a corner. Another time he pushed me and the the window hit me so hard. So then I was starting to have bouts of headaches, constant Mm -hmm. bouts of headaches. Mm-hmm. So then the last time he pushed me and my leg, like the sole of my foot was hit by the bed and mm-hmm. it was very painful. So mm-hmm. I, and he just quit his job and I had already at the moment started packing my things and taking them to my sister's house in secrecy. Mm-hmm. So he didn't know this. So when he quit work, I was like, damn, I have to go because whether I'm ready or not, this guy is going to be here 24-7. And he mm-hmm. likes playing video games. He never mm-hmm. goes out. Like, he's not the kind of guy who hangs out with friends or goes mm-hmm. out clubbing. No, he's always right. going to be here 24-7. So for me, it was like, no, this is going to be impossible for me. Yeah. So what did I do? I called up my guardian dad amidst the fighting. Mm-hmm. because he usually when he gets angry during fights he'd make me call a guy that he suspects I'm dating which mm-hmm. I would not call suspecting it's more of my workmates mm-hmm. he, he, mm-hmm. he hated because I mean I'm in IT and right. most of the most of the office is men so right. my colleagues are men right. so he, he was mentioning on this one colleague that we had attended a wedding Mm-hmm. sorry a pre-wedding for one of our colleagues the other female in the department so of course the attendees was me the only female and other four four male guys like four right. male colleagues so he's right. like yeah 
that wedding you're going to with this guy, he's your new boyfriend. Yeah, you're the mm-hmm. one whom you're spending your energy on and just mm-hmm. making up things yeah. that are not there. Right, and then he gives right. me the phone and he's like, call him up, call him up. I want you to call him and you confirm what this is that's going on between you and this guy. And in my mind, I'm just like, um, because you see, earlier on I mentioned that I said I will never be the reason as why he hits me, which also is what caused him to stop like, like physically blowing me up because mm-hmm. I wasn't responding back to him. Like I just look at him, if it requires a response, I'd be like, yeah, you want that? Fine. If that's what you want. Like once mm-hmm. he, he threatened me to quit my job and I was like, fine, give me the iPad. I will write an email. So mm-hmm. as I'm drafting the email, he takes the iPad away because he sees I'm actually serious about it. Mm-hmm. So that also your, kind of... Did your colleagues know that you were being abused? One colleague knew. Okay. I had one colleague who knew we were not in the same department, but now I know that they knew because that colleague told another colleague who told another colleague, and mm-hmm. it was actually a discussion in the office, but I didn't mm-hmm. know it. Mm-hmm. So then I called my guardian father. Mm-hmm. When he came to pick me up, I just took all my belongings and left. Mm-hmm. The one thing I said was that, because, you know, my guardian father was like, you know, Okay, he they don't like him because the fact that he's abusive, not only because he's African, he's fully African, mm-hmm. and he was Christian. Mm-hmm. And for me, my mom was Arab, my dad was African. So mm-hmm. growing up, part of my abuse was even my, my cousins mm-hmm. would call me like, they would call me names and say that I'm black and that my hair is not as nice as theirs. And, you know, like, it was childish fights, but they were actually very hurtful because sure. it was, they were racist and they were only projecting what their parents are saying. Yeah. So then growing up, I would literally be, like, told straight up, you know, don't bring an African home. Like, they would mention some tribe here in right. Kenya. So like, right. don't bring this and this tribe. And then they oh, wow. would try to hook me up with the Arabs and I, mm-hmm. I, I always wanted to marry a white person. So they knew, like, Mariam is going to marry a white person. Like, they mm-hmm. knew that. Even my cousins were like, oh, thank God you'll marry a white person so at least the babies can have lighter skin and nicer hair. Yeah, yeah. so. Yeah. And, you know, marry- that's, that's in so many cultures. I, you know, it's, yeah, yeah. it's um, yeah. Because I'm Puerto really Rican. But oh, a lot cool. of people, yeah. But I look black, and so. But your hair you is know, so nice. Yeah, but my hair is different, so it's it's hard because you you um, aren't necessarily accepted sometimes by Anywhere. either side. Yeah, and you kind of struggle because you don't fit in here, but you don't really fit in there. But but you were raised a certain way. Yeah, so I I I can relate. You get it. Yes. Yeah. So then with him, when I married him, like actually on my wedding day, my sister made fun. Like she just just said a joke that, how do you feel you're marrying an African and you always wanted to marry a white person? And I just, just laughed and was like, well, I feel good because I love this person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. immediately even after the wedding, now they, they would actually, like my family, my mom's side of the family were all like, oh my God. Because weirdly, even my dad's side of the family now, the African side of the family, 
they marry into mulattoes so that their children can have kind of softer hair and maybe okay. lighter skin. Yeah, okay. it's really, you understand, yeah. Yes. Like you're very yes. You understand. Yes. So then he knew also, he also knew that I always wanted to marry white so that I can run away from my children going through what I went through. But right. so then I was like, no, baby, I love you. Like, I've chosen you, so... Sometimes in the fights would come up and tell me that I look down upon him, which now I understand. He was just trying to to twist my thinking to thinking that yes. I'm the problem and he's yeah. okay. Right. So where we are right now, as of April 2018, no, I feel like I want to say the date, April 27th, 2018, I haven't been living together. And then as of July 2019, we're divorced, mm-hmm. which is very hard because I still love him so much. Mm-hmm. And he still gives me a lot of double signals because mm-hmm. he says this and then does that and then tells me this and then tells me that. It's mm-hmm. so confusing. And that he was mm-hmm. my first boyfriend that I ended up marrying. And mm-hmm. I am still... I'm still working towards accepting that I may have to live life without him, although I really look forward to a miracle happening and reuniting with him, which by the day I'm realizing that it is such a huge miracle. Mm-hmm. Wow. I will tell the world so, actually Do you through. think do you think that you are in love with you think you're in love with the the dream or the fantasy or what you wanted to have with him? Do you know what I mean? Do you yeah, think I do? Mm-hmm. I I mean actually I mean love. Him. I had to accept that. I had mm-hmm. to accept that because it's embarrassing to love someone like that. Mm-hmm. I mean love with so much so that these days I ask myself, you have a chance for a fresh start. Like you can you cannot now yeah satisfy your family and maybe marry a white man and have like mulatto children. But then every time I think of that, I'm like. But would I love that person? Because I love, I've accepted that's who he is. It's just that I can't be with him. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's what's keeping me away. Just yeah. knowing that I'm in love with him, that but he has some tendencies that I, some bad behavior that I can't stomach. Do you think that you'll be able to stay away and not return to him? Or do you think that you probably will return one day? I'm afraid to not say never because I know that I'm human and we make me we, we make some pretty weird and interesting choices sometimes. Mm-hmm. But I I know that I don't know if I can stay away from him because we still from time to time we talk mm-hmm. and I have even made it clear with him that I love him. Mm-hmm. It's just that. It's my problem if he doesn't love me the same way that I love him. Because mm-hmm. now that he doesn't physically abuse me, he verbally abuses me. And mm-hmm. when that happens, that's when we get to have a break. Mm-hmm. But quite honestly, I go back. So mm-hmm. I am still struggling with going back mentally. Mm-hmm. So I thought of you, I had sent you an email a few weeks ago, right? When I said I, I yeah. thought of you when I heard... Um, this uh, this pastor here, his he's Pastor Darius. He's with the Change Church. He post did a post, and I'll probably mess up exactly what he said, but it was basically never go back to um, 
something or someone when the reason you left is still there. It's still there. Right? Yes. yes. And, um, and I thought that that was so interesting. And I thought of you, I thought of women who are victims of abuse and who struggle to a number one, leave. I think just having the strength to leave, um, is, is so is huge. everything is huge yes. everything it takes everything um, yeah and then there's another layer of that is having the strength to stay away right yeah that's a whole nother layer right and then the third one i would say is then having the strength to move on right and move forward um and develop a healthy relationship elsewhere if if that's what you choose so yeah. So how do you think that over this time you have rebuilt yourself after dealing with so a lifetime really of abuse? How have you taken time out for yourself to rebuild yourself? Yeah, how I've done that is um, I actually now, I make friends these days mm-hmm. as opposed to before where I was closed up and just labeling everyone in my mind and putting everyone, like, fitting everyone in some box for this one sees, seems this way, this one seems that way. So I just let go of all these walls. Not yet, not fully, not completely, but I am learning to let go of my walls and just interact with people mm-hmm. and also accept it when someone, when, I'm, when, a, when a man, when a male person is attracted to me, I'm learning to embrace it because it would actually make me cringe and I would retort back at them. I would retort back at them because I'd be like, what the hell? Like, don't talk to me that way. Like, respect me. Mm-hmm. And then, so making, sorry, making peace with that I'm a woman. Mm. I'm beautiful. So, of course, I will warrant male attention. I'm still accepting that. Another thing is just meeting with friends and family and accepting that this happened to me, I can't change it. And for me, accepting that, even owning to that, I still love him, mm-hmm. it gives me so much strength because then when when someone says something about me behind my back, then it doesn't hurt me as much. And I don't hold mm-hmm. it against anyone because now I, I understand and respect that everyone is entitled to their own opinions. Mm-hmm. All that matters is how I take them. Another mm-hmm. thing I'm doing is I'm setting myself free financially also because after mm. leaving my marriage, it's been pretty tough. And for a few months, I was living on the edge with the thought that, oh, I can't afford this, I can't afford that, I can't afford this, I can't afford that. Like, so it was all about, I can't afford this, I can't afford that. Mm-hmm. So then now I'm at a point where I'm accepting that it is what it is. I have never mm-hmm. been able to afford this and that, but I've always been alive. So focusing my energy to my finances and and recalling that with my husband, I had an amazing lifestyle. I afforded things and everything was just nice. I had no debt. For me, it right. feels like a setback. So just focusing on the now and taking each day as is. Right. Doing me amazing because... I just realized the 20th of August and I'm like, wait, August is almost out. Wow. Nice. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So then another thing would be I'm taking holidays where we have this planned holidays with my friends. We just like organize. I've done two this year. One Mm -hmm. I did with my friend that I went to college with Mm -hmm. and 
he back then we were just friends so then now he's struggling with some issues so most of our friends are not involved in his life so he really wanted right. to take this trip and there were going to be like 10 people that I don't know there and it was such an edge for me mm-hmm. we organized a trip for 3 months which was pretty cool because it looked into my finances and I was able to like save up and like um make a pay in installments for the holiday yes. home and transport it, and when I did it I was like wait I just went for my holiday I paid for yeah. everything and I'm and here I am complaining that I'm broke yeah. Uh, and another one last month no beginning of this month yeah mm-hmm. it was like end of september to early august so i did another mm-hmm. one with my friends and mm-hmm. it was the same feeling you know like mm-hmm. it can never be enough so yeah. just practicing to be present in the now and yes. gratitude yeah is really helping me move on at the moment i'm just looking into getting back to school finishing my school applying for new jobs and having positive a positive outlook to life and just mm-hmm. feeding my mind with positivity and that's how i found you yes. because my social media i realized because right now we're living at times where social media is everything yes. so i realized i like social media yes but i don't want to just see pictures of people posting their lifestyle and all that Of right. course some of my friends do that I do that sometimes too but sure I found it great channel for me to get inspiration from and so a lot of this awareness and um relationship channels that's how I found you by the way on Instagram yes and just self help a lot of reading yeah. and that's true awesome. to my feeling yes where I'm at at the moment That's amazing. I I love how um you are really taking steps to live the life that you it sounds like you're living the life that you've always wanted to live in the sense of freedom and, you know, travel and having yeah. friends and relationships. Would you be able to live that life if you were with I was living this life when I was but it was very stifled because and without without, without consequences. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I think that had a lot of consequences because like one time I got a scholarship to go to Ukraine and we had a fight about it. So I packed up my bags and went home so that I can be able to travel in peace. Mm-hmm. But you see, during my whole stay in Ukraine, I was sad. I was crying all the time because I was just thinking about him and I'm, I was thinking about how I'm on scholarship, so we had a whole year to prepare for this. it would have been amazing if we would have saved up and he would have like taken the trip with me like mm-hmm. i was just thinking about him everywhere and then again i got another one to go to cairo in egypt but this time it was it was last year so we were separated and he was so nice about it he even wanted to take me to the airport but it wasn't honest because i knew he wanted me to go back home because four days into cairo we were already fighting and he was already with his back with this like what do you call them here we call them side chicks mm-hmm. yeah he was really yeah. back with his side chick mm-hmm. whom he also abused came out to me about the abuse and how she was ashamed to accept that she's being abused because mm-hmm. she comes from a, an outside like town and mm-hmm. nairobi has always been like the thing for her like nairobi is a city it's mm-hmm. like our new york 
So yes. she, she's always wanted to come here and now that she's here and she's in an abusive relationship, she already left her house, so she has no money. I looked at it as a source of strength because it gave me an inside picture into who potential of who can really be. Yeah, yeah. And it continues Leon, to be, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And continues to be. So mm-hmm. I see as a very hot person and someone who just needs but he just doesn't know how to love himself he just doesn't know what love is and for me that makes me so sad because he has capability and potential for so much love but again as the pastor said that never go back to a situation if what made you walk out is still there is exactly my situation I have a difficult question for you. Do you okay. feel, um, have almost like a reflection of Lynn in the sense that you have so much hurt in your past and you have so much baggage and you have all of these things that cause you to struggle with really understanding what love is? Yes. And it is more of me embodying an ex energy, you know, like how I also struggled with love so much. I struggled with it so much and I still continue to because I've always had to put other people before me for me to survive. Mm-hmm. But then with it's the ex energy because I don't identify with anger and abuse. I am not abusive, but mm-hmm. I know what it's like. So as much as I, I want to run away from it, I want to understand it. Mm-hmm. So I see a lot of that in myself because mm-hmm. the same way I tried to kill myself and all that, for me, somehow, I see that the way he beats people, it's just him letting out his anger because that's just how he knows how to do it. I see it as some form of depression that mm-hmm. he just doesn't know how to handle himself. Mm-hmm. He doesn't. Do, you ever, do you ever think that you... Um, you are, I don't want to say attracted to him, but drawn to the relationship still. Um, do you ever feel that you're trying to maybe somehow repair a relationship you never were able to have with your father? Yeah, I will, and, I will not say it fully, but yes, quite honestly, yes, that's it. Because he's a familiar love. And he's still he's, alive. Yeah, and he's still alive. So then quite honestly for me, deep down inside... I see it as if we could repair this, then, you know, it's like symbolic, like you fixed, maybe like you were able to fix him, but you weren't able to fix your dad and maybe being able to fix Uh, you because, because you're the common denominator. Do you feel like maybe, maybe it's just me. I'm the problem. Not quite. Actually, now that you say that, maybe it would be symbolic to maybe uh, fixing my father because he's alive. Not quite. I don't look at it that way because I do actually respect that people make their own choices mm-hmm. regardless of everything because mm-hmm. I went through so much abuse and I chose to be kind. Mm-hmm. So then it's something that I resonate with because I see their potential to be very loving and kind because I've experienced mm-hmm. it. And it's mm-hmm. more of reviving hope of humanity because I'm mm-hmm. kind of sick and tired of all these labels of yeah. narcissist, uh, I don't know, borderline disorder, psychopath, mm-hmm. and all that. Because for me, it feels like it leaves very 
little room for humanity because mm-hmm. we are sidelining everyone and now we we no longer know each other truly mm-hmm. we are seeking relationship for the sake relationships for the sake of beneficial purposes and mm-hmm. i'm just sick and tired of that because mm-hmm. just as a kid the brain the brain can be rewired mm-hmm. but it's difficult for a grown up because mm-hmm. we are the only ones who can rewire our brains through seeking help because i right. did it i'm still doing it I've, I have another difficult question. Do you think you're addicted to abuse? I am trying to I'm trying to actually work through that because mm-hmm. I was asking myself the other day, why is it that I don't want to be with another man? It's not that I am ugly or mm-hmm. or incapable. No, well, you're absolutely well. beautiful. <laughs> thank you. You, you too. Yes, thank you. So then I wonder what is it that draws me to and There's one thing that is on my brain and quite honestly I think maybe it's because of naivety and inexperience I just don't know how to be with another man because mm-hmm. I have never been like that intimate with anyone else so mm-hmm. I honestly wouldn't want to go through that so I'm at a point where I'm working towards even allowing another man to treat me nice and mm-hmm. call me beautiful and So I'm trying that out. I'm still figuring it out because yeah. listening to my thoughts, I am not okay with abuse at all. I'm not. If I could reconcile with my side chick mm-hmm. just because actually I used to tell her, you know, you are with my husband, but I care about you so much because mm-hmm. you deserve the best. You're beautiful and amazing. Mm-hmm. You deserve kindness. You you just don't allow someone to mistreat you because I left and I I gave her the strength to leave that abusive relationship. Mm-hmm. So no, I'm not addicted to abuse. Mm-hmm. For me it's more of a personal issue. I wouldn't want to be with, to be with someone the way I was with but it's okay. something that I'm working towards. I'm trying to work on yes. that. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Well, I have one question that I like to ask all of my um my guests and it's what would you consider to be four key building blocks to rebuilding a relationship or rebuilding yourself? Um rebuilding anything, any relationship. Yeah, for me, trust, communication, mm-hmm. empathy because I believe for my childhood what made it to be how it is to date because I'm in very good contact with my relatives is because I was empathetic enough to understand that mm-hmm. they don't treat me that way because they want to but it's because I'm a disturbance in their life they have mm-hmm. their children to take care of remember the mother hen like analogy mm-hmm. yeah so because I was able to feel for them Mm-hmm. So then I believe in a relationship it's important to be able to feel for the other person. Sure. And the other thing that cuz love is just like a capsule for all that mm-hmm. respect. So the fourth mm. one would be respect. Yeah. yeah. For me the fourth one would be respect. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, I again, I am so um happy honored to have you on the show with me we shared this you unpacked so much for us um and i think just have given us so much insight into what it looks like and the life of women who live in um in a 
in a abusive relationship, um, it's just very hard. It takes a lot of strength to um, strength and support. I think that in spite yeah. of what you've been through, you have a, a support system in place um, with yeah. your guardian father and some cousins. Um, and some people don't have any of that. Um, Weirdly, so, I think I want to talk about that right now because sure. it's, it's, it's come up. I actually don't have a support system with my family, weirdly, because if I was to listen to my family, I would probably end up going back to being abusive to myself or going back to them because they say things like, oh, you can't you can't be with a husband. Oh, you know, this education is what is turning you women into this cyborg that don't want to be told anything. Right. And, you know, like if I was to listen to my family or friends, but my support system, I would say, comes, it stems from my religion, actually. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because I went on to find out what does my religion say about women. Mm-hmm. And actually, that's where I got the strength to seek my divorce. Right. And then with my process work practice, because I'm doing a diploma, I would like yes. to be something like you. I want to be a yes. life coach. Yes, yeah. that would be so, wonderful. Thank you. So then... I, I do a lot of I do a lot of reading on my own and then I have a coach and a guiding team which is also like a PhD coach who's a therapist yes. and also a phase two student within my program. So then I get to talk to these people and that they're from different countries and also yes. with the seminaries that I attend, I am very open about it because it's in safe spaces, you know, process workers are very like positive, just like you, what you yes. are. So then there's no judgment and being yes. that I'm a very open person, I'm not I'm not ashamed to own that I have been abused and I love this person. And from that I, I actually stemmed that strength to accept that I love this person, but I don't have to be with them. Yes. I love that. We love things yes. but we don't own everything. Yes. Like we love yes. so much things but yes. we don't own them. Yes. So then having such support system and self-help books and channels like yours and others, then I get to have this, I subscribe to these newsletters. So I get to have reminders from their blog posts, yes. which yes. then keep me refreshed. Like it keeps yes. my thinking refreshed and positivity. Yes. Yes, I love that. I love, love, love that you've mentioned that. I love that you've said sometimes, you know, like you said, we can love something, but it doesn't mean we have to have it or that we or that it has to be in our life. Um, And and that goes back to setting those healthy boundaries. Right. Sometimes we have family that even family, you know, that we love them, but they're not healthy for us. So we have to set the boundaries. So I love that you have brought that up. Um, And it does. It takes such courage to be able to share your story as you have and be transparent um and just to you know continue to empower yourself and and in just learning and reading um i think and i believe and i hope that this encourages anyone who's who listens um and is in the same situation that they would um you know pick up a book or try to find um you know if they if they don't have resources to help them just to try to really find the power within themselves um because you really are um a story of um of just you know championing and 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 like winning at this 
at this challenge and the struggle that you have well um, thank you dealing thank with. you very much yeah. for saying that yeah Thanks, you've endured a lot yeah yeah actually to date when i meet my family because this is where now i am actually now telling my family that i'm divorced mm-hmm. i find myself crying like because you know i know they don't really like Maybe I need to work on this but for me I feel like they don't really care and because they're celebrating background because they yes. always like hated on this person so then when they're like oh I'm so sorry about that but yeah he wasn't good enough for you so it makes me cry because I'm yeah. like, like no one even tried anything but then I'm like it's good they didn't try because I didn't stick yes. in an abusive relationship yeah yes Yes, and I also love the fact that you um, accept the fact, like, you kind of sit in where you are, the fact that you love them, you accept the people in your life and and the fact that they are who they are, you have empathy, Um, and I think that that helps, um, that's a huge um, step to take in order to really rebuild yourself and just to try to understand where you are and, um, and where the people are around you, but... But again, I I am so, so honored that you have shared your story with us. And we have, so I want to share, we have in the U.S., we have a national domestic violence hotline. um, Mm -hmm. And that's going to be in the show notes. But the number is 1-800-799-SAFE, 7233. So that's 1-800-799-7233. That's the U.S. National Domestic Violence Hotline. Sadly, we had a conversation about this. There is mm-hmm. not a hotline in Kenya for domestic no, abuse. There yeah. isn't. Yeah, it's not such a huge topic here because the women are ashamed to own it. Mm. Like no one wants to accept that. No one wants to actually like come out and accept that. You know, my husband hit me because. Being married is such a huge and sacred thing here, which I actually believe being married is a sacred thing. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it is, you're very much looked down upon as a divorcee here, such that the women's stomach so much abused, yeah. disrespect and disregard, and mm-hmm. they don't say it. They, I like to call it like, you know, people who are so cynical so much so they believe in their own demise. Mm-hmm. Like they... Mm-hmm. they they literally thrival in it. That's the marriage situation here in Africa. Mainly Kenya. Of, do you think a lot of women die to domestic abuse? Some do, but no one talks about it. Like the other day, there's a lady, like, I was talking to my friend in campus, because as I'm telling you, I'm now, I was clearing from my previous campus, because I'm shifting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so then I met an old student, and he mentioned, because he was like, how have you been? How's marriage? And I was like, oh, yeah, about that. I am no longer married. And then I started to cry. Like, like my tears were just rolling down my face. And he's like, what's going on? And I told him, he's like, I have no idea you're going through that. Like, no one can know this. Actually, last week, we went for a burial for a lady who got burned to death because she had a fight with her husband. And he toppled on the gas on the stove and it blew up. So she burned up. And no one talks about that. Right, right. Do you think that if there was a safe house in Kenya for women of domestic abuse, do you think it would be full? I think it would be. And that's what I want to work towards because I'm realizing the only thing that's holding us is the shame. But if they had a safe space where they would talk about it, not with relatives, but with Mm -hmm. someone who's willing to listen and 
very authentic and ethically bounded, they would. Mm -hmm. Because one thing I realized as also a client here in Kenya, even therapists are not very professional. They're not mm -hmm. bound by ethics because they're always gossiping their clients, mm -hmm. which then gets wow. back to the clients. Wow. which really frustrates clients because I have been a depressed person and I'm working through this violence issue and abuse issue. Mm -hmm. And I do know how it feels when someone else victimizes me and every time they see mm -hmm. me, they're like, oh yeah, I'm so sorry, your husband hits you up. Oh yeah, oh, you wow. can't talk to me about it. Oh, oh, oh. Because it feels so belittling wow. and some other yes. form of abuse and I don't yes. want to talk about it to them. So right. to find a channel that respects these women in these spaces, yes, yes. it would be full. Yes. I believe it yes. would be. Wow, wow. Well, maybe we will partner up someday and work on I that for that. women. Yes, yeah. yes. Well, I am going to wrap it up here. I am, again, thank you so much. I was, I was really... Um, I was so happy that you agreed to do this call because I, it's a difficult topic. And so um, I was open to whatever your response was. So just thank you for your openness and your willingness to share um, your story. And um, I'm believing that this is going to help impact many, many women. And Me too. yes, and just you and your life in general. Um, I believe that you are, you're just such a powerful woman. I look forward to seeing what you are going to be doing there. Yeah. So, so just stay strong, keep believing in yourself. Um, you're doing an amazing, uh, an amazing thing, um, there in Kenya. So thank you. <laughs> thank you, Kari. Thank you for actually offering this because Initially, how we got connected is because you had a 30-minute free one-on-one -on -one coaching, which is very rare, and I thought to take it up, and I also am very grateful to be part of this podcast interview and to be able to reach out to even one person who will find some use to this and relate with it from all the way in Africa, Nairobi, Kenya. It's not easy. The thing I would say is just as women... We should be able to look into us as ourselves and not as what society portrays us to be man, woman, woman versus woman, woman mm -hmm. goes for man. I mm -hmm. like just own ourselves and advise the daughters in us. Yes. Because that's what I did for myself and I wouldn't want my daughter to accept abuse. Mm -hmm. That keeps me going. Yes. Thank you so much. I love that. That is so powerful. Well, that is a great place to end. Thank you again. I I love you. You are my sister from across the country. And I thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for having me, Kari. I love you yeah. more. Thank you. Wow, this was such a powerful episode. I am so uh, honored to be able to have this opportunity to speak with this young lady and now friend. She was so open and transparent, uh, and as I've kept in touch with her, she continues to work on herself and work on getting stronger and empowering herself uh, through just personal development, seeking out uh, positive role models and support. So I just really commend her for the work that she's doing on rebuilding herself and just getting to a place that she is strong enough to 
really just love herself first and foremost. I also wanted to provide the suicide prevention hotline. This um, is the national suicide prevention hotline. It's 1-800-273-8255. Again, that's 1-800-273-8255. She discussed uh, some struggles that she had with having suicidal thoughts and attempts. Please, if this is you, be sure that you reach out and get help. Talk to someone, um, and don't you don't have to do it alone. Um, there is support out there for you. So again, I just pray that this uh, blesses you and that you can find strength and empowerment through this episode. Be blessed. Thank you so much for listening to the Rebuilding Relationships podcast. I hope that I have served you on the highest level. And if I have, please be sure to share this episode and give me a great rating on iTunes so that I can continue to serve you and others. Now head on over to my website and grab your free copy of the first chapter of my book called Recreate Your Love. It's coming out soon. My website is www.passion4visions.com. And while you're there, go ahead and check out more of my services. My heart is always to serve you with much love. Have an amazing week and be sure to head back next week for our next episode. Please understand that anything shared on my show, the Rebuilding Relationships podcast, is intended to give you tips, tools, and strategies to help you transform your relationships and your life. While I am a certified coach, I am not a licensed therapist or a doctor. So please be sure to seek professional medical advice when you feel necessary. Take care.